Welcome to Sidewalk Talk. I'm Steve Fortunato, founder of Shovel the Sidewalk. We're a marketing firm in Buffalo, New York for small businesses. We help create advertising through the, authentic, the authenticity of storytelling. And that's what Sidewalk Talk is all about. We uh, find thought leaders with Western New York connections. Uh, we discover their stories. We find out their successes, their failures, and we hope that you can learn from them. And today, we are so happy to have with us Dr. Siobhan Budway. So, <laughs> Doc grew up in Western New York. She abandoned ship. She lives somewhere else now. We'll talk yeah. about that in a second. <laughs> uh, she is in town uh, for a celebration. That's something that we'll talk about in a little mm -hmm. bit as well. Um, but, Doc, welcome to the show. Thanks Thank for you. being here. Thanks for having me. Well, she's also my sister-in-law and the mother-in-law. <laughs> mother no, you would be the godmother. Yes. <laughs> Firstborn, so your sister-in-law. Yeah, you're my sister-in-law and yes. the godmother to Ellie. Yes. So that being said, you're also Frank Budway's daughter. I am. So let's talk about big that. shoes yeah. to fill. So, so what was that like growing up as Frank Budway's daughter? So now it's <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people in NT. I felt like a celebrity sometimes. Did you in NT? Yeah. 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 People feel like they know you, right? Yes. Like they, they, yes. Maybe they don't know you. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. All, right. <laughs> All right. So let's get to it. Okay. Right. So you grow up out here where, mm -hmm. in, in NT? In North Tonawanda, born and raised. All right. And on the Sacred Heart? High school, right. yeah. Right. Sacred mm -hmm. How'd that go? <laughs> <laughs> it was actually, <laughs> it was a good experience. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't love going to an all-girl Catholic school. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I would have had some different experiences going to public school. Um, I didn't really always feel like I fit in mm -hmm. at Sacred Heart. Um, I was definitely one of the outcasts. I wasn't one of the cool kids. Um, and I wasn't a jock. Mm -hmm. um, went through a gothic period. <laughs> so <laughs> I kind of stuck out with my group of friends. Um, but it was, overall, it was a good experience. In the end, when you, all three of my sisters went to Sacred yeah, Heart. Yeah. In the end, and there were the positives and the negatives. Yeah. Yeah. Now, all these years later, mm -hmm. you look back and you think it helped shape you the way you are today, just I'm with, sure. whether the positives or the negatives. Yes, I absolutely. Yeah. So, um, all right. So then you go away to school in... Fredonia. So okay. I started, but I did my... Graduate was, okay, so yeah, so I graduated from Sacred Heart. Mm -hmm. I went over to SUNY Fredonia. Mm -hmm. And at first, when I got there, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do as a major. I had an idea that I might want to do psychology. Because uh, I had taken a psychology and a sociology class in high school, mm -hmm. which was great. That was Super one of the hard. things I loved. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but at, I was, I, I think at 18, I was kind of like, well, I don't know if I'm ready to commit to something like that's like the rest of my life. Um, but I sat down with somebody and they said, well, just like if you're kind of feeling like psychology, go with psychology. You can always switch it later, but we need you to have something. So I did. Um, and actually, I think it was my junior, sophomore or junior year of college where I was like, well, I kind of like social work. I, and I felt like social work did more helping and that I definitely wanted to be a helper. Um, so I got into that. I learned a lot. I'm glad I did that route. But in the end, I still love psychology. And I, one of my relatives actually convinced me, like, you're going to make more doing psychology. You're going to be able to do the same work and the same kind of work. Um, but you're going to be appreciated more and you're going to be valued more and paid more. So I was like, okay. 
<laughs> I, you beat me too. I was gonna. I was gonna say because I do know you. Um, maybe I know you better than most of the guests we have on our mm-hmm. show. But um, we recently went through our personality tests in, in our company. Oh, I was interesting. Shavon or <laughs> Dr. Budway would be what well, was the number two. You would be in the helper category. You. I have to do this test. Like, well, I, I know where you're gonna land. Shavon wants to help everybody you've always been that no matter what's going on you want to help people Mm -hmm. and that's why probably why you landed in the perfect spot in your in your area of profession which is you're a psychologist right right? so all right so you you go to Fredonia and then Mm -hmm. you say all right I should I I want to learn I want to further that education that's when you went to New Orleans or yeah so um, I at toward the end of my senior year um, I had to make some decisions Um, I did have to take the GRE it's a test to get into uh, graduate school and I knew, like I knew, I had to keep going because as a psychologist, you can't do much with a bachelor's. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I took the GRE. I'm not that great at that. So because they, a lot of the schools, base acceptance um, into the school on the GREs, I, I wasn't going to get anywhere far. So I, I talked to my advisors, and they said, "Well, go ahead and don't go right on to the doctoral. Go to a master's program, but go to a master's program that's not a terminal master's program, um, because that way you're going to show that you can do graduate level work, and the GRE won't count as much, and then you can go ahead and uh, apply for the postdoc, um, or not for the postdoc. I'm sorry, for the doctoral program. Okay. And so, so that's why. So then I applied to uh, several schools. I got accepted to a couple. Um, but my first choice was uh, Southeastern Louisiana University in Hammond, Louisiana, because I had family down there, and I absolutely loved um, the culture, New Orleans culture. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to go experience that and get out of Buffalo, maybe have, have not so many harsh winters, but trade that in for hurricanes. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 90-degree and humidity. Yeah, yeah. That, that was okay. So you did that, then you came back to Buffalo, but that was temporary, and you went out mm-hmm. to San Francisco. Right. So, uh, yeah, Palo Alto technically, okay. but Bay Area, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. And what was that for? And that was, so that was my doctoral program. Gotcha. Yeah. At what school? So that was, when I first started, it was called the Pacific Graduate School of Psychology in Palo Alto. Um, that program, while I was there, grew to include a bachelor's and a terminal master's, and it just grew, and so it, they changed the name to Palo Alto University. Um, so yeah. So do you think uh, for anyone out there, maybe a, a parent whose child is has that type of personality that you have, where mm-hmm. they just they really want to help. Mm-hmm. I mean, they want to help the world, right. all right. And that's what you want. <laughs> you want to help every animal. It doesn't yeah. an ant and to a human. Okay, <laughs> you you want to help them, but probably this would be the right kind of field for someone that wants to help. I think there's lots of different fields that folks can go into that want to help. Um, the one big thing that you have to consider is how does your child do in school? Do they want to be in school for a while? That's yeah, a long. It's a lot of school. It's a lot of money. Yes, and it's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so when I have clients that I work with who are teenagers and they're starting to think about, well, what do I want to do? I think I want to get into this. 
Uh, and we, and you know, sometimes they'll ask, well, how long were you in school? And I tell them I had 12 years of college, mm. but my route, it doesn't have to be that, that long, but my route was, and they're like, Oh, okay. That's a long time. <laughs> so, but there's lots of different, um, cause you can do a terminal master's program. So you would do your four years bachelor's in about two to three years in a master's and you can still do therapy. You can still do counseling services and be helpful. Um, but it's like being a psychologist, you get to do some different things. All right, so now you've got all this, all these degrees and stuff, and you end up. So you're you can't cannot be farther away in the continental United States than where you are now, right? Well, Alaska, I mean, Hawaii. That's not the continental. Oh, okay. so they're not that's attached. Right. Alaska so, is. Okay. <laughs> so you're gonna go to Alaska. You're, no. So you're out in the state of Washington yes. in Olympia, yes. Seattle, south of Seattle, south of Seattle, yeah. close to Portland, Oregon. So I mean, why why there? So, um, so when I went out to the West Coast for graduate school, um, my intention was always to come back to this area, or at least be closer to home. Um, but I went out there, I did my, my program, I met um, my now wife. Mm -hmm. and, um, who's also a doctor. Who's also a doctor. She's a forensic psychologist. Um, She's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Um, so we met and her postdoc uh, took us to Houston, Texas, and then, or her, I'm sorry, her internship took us to Houston, Texas, and then, and I had already done my internship. I about that. Yeah, and then she applied to different uh, postdoctoral um, places, and we landed in in Washington State. Her, she had some family there, so that was nice that we had we were close to some family. Um, and when we got there, I fell in love. And I fell in love with it because it actually reminded me of home because we have the four seasons. The leaves change. Um, we have a spring where things bloom and it's beautiful. We, we do have winters, but they're so mild. And so the temperatures don't get as cold. Yeah, it does not rain all the time, by the way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we do have more cloud cover most of the year, but we have beautiful summers. There's so much you can do outside, which I love to be outside. Um, my wife loves skiing. I've, I've rekindled that love um, and we'll go every once in a while. Um, we love hiking and being on the water and it's just absolutely beautiful. So we, we went out there for her work, then I found some work and, and we just kind of fell in love. Mm. So. All right. So, and you were working as a psychologist for a practice, right? For a group practice. Yes. When I, so when we first moved to Washington, I got licensed um, and then I joined the group practice. Yeah. So, and then you, you took the leap. And I took the leap. Right. And, and I think that this helps a lot of people want to know what that's like. What did you, oh, you know, what did we learn from that? You know, there's mm -hmm. a lot to, you don't know it until you do it. Yeah. It's a big risk and yeah. it's very scary. And yes. I know you're doing well and that's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, but how do you advise people? Should, should others in that situation go ahead and take that leap? So I think, I mean, it's individual. Um, a lot of people that I have met along the way have said, oh no, I can't, I, I, I want to have, I want to know I'm having my paycheck. Mm -hmm. I want to know I have that security, that stability. I want to know that I can earn time off. I'm going to have a paid vacation. Mm -hmm. I have my benefits. So those are all the things that if somebody is like, no, I like that stability. I want, I want that security. I would say private practice is maybe not the way to go. Um, so unfortunately in my group practice that I was, I was with the other folks, they didn't really offer a lot. 
Um, they were taking 50% of what I was bringing in for them. And they did offer um, admin assistance, which was super helpful. So they would call clients, make sure they were paying their bills, do all the billing for me, which is huge, which is great. Um, do all the filing and, and, and like get me new clients. But I didn't feel that it was worth 50% of what I was bringing in. And with the technology for mental health right now, there's a lot of programs out there where you can, they do your billing. I mean, it's really simple to get your billing set up. Um, so I had a colleague who actually went out before me on her own. And so that was super helpful to have somebody that I knew has gone through it. She kind of figured it out and she offered to help and say, okay, so first you need to do this and next you need to do this. Um, so having somebody kind of guide me was helpful. There are a lot of resources out there too that you could get that um, kind of direct you into how to build your own private practice, but having somebody that I knew and I trusted was helpful. Um, for my line of business, I work with insurance companies and you don't have to, but it is super hard. I, I don't know how anyone can really afford to pay out of pocket for therapy or for psychological evaluations, but they do sometimes. Um, but I, because I'm a helper, because I love to help, um, I knew I had to be on insurance panels in order to be able to help the people I wanted to help. Um, so getting on those insurance panels wasn't so hard because I was actually already paneled under a different tax ID number um, with the group. So that wasn't so hard. Um, and I did decide the group practice did not take Medicaid. Um, but I decided I wanted to take Medicaid because I wanted to help the most vulnerable. Of course. Um, mm -hmm. and, and just have, you know, equal access. So when I first went out, I took anybody, mm -hmm. anybody who wanted to come in, I, I took them on and that was not the best way to go, okay. um, professionally, um, and business wise as well. Um, but professionally, as a psychologist, I have specialty areas. I have areas where I, I know um, how to work with trauma, depression, anxiety, suicidality, uh, children, adolescents, and adults. I do psychological evaluations. I'm not so great at um, psychotic disorders or forensic stuff. Um, I just didn't get that training. I also don't do evaluations for autism, which is a big thing that people are looking mm -hmm. for these days. Um, so you have to be very careful about not just like being, being so open to take anybody Got because it. we have our specialty areas. Um, but at the time I'm freaking out, yeah. right? <laughs> and my wife's like, you gotta make some money. I can't hold us <laughs> together, you mm -hmm. know, for long. Um, so I was just taking anybody. Um, and eventually I learned I, I needed to, I need, I could only actually take about five to seven Medicaid clients in order to be able to pay my bills, yeah. um, my business bills, as well as my personal bills. Right. I have big loans that right. I have to pay back. So that's another downfall of, of yep. going the route that I went. Um, so, um, I was taking anybody, but eventually I, 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 I kind of looked at it. I was like, okay, how many people do I have on this insurance, this insurance, this insurance, what are they paying me? What's, you know, what do I want to be making every month? What do I need to be mm -hmm. making every month? And I've adjusted it. So I've, I've been in my, on my own for four and a half years. Um, and I am finally now coming to a place where I, I, I feel like I am shaping the business the way I want it to be, which is great. We talk about that a lot in, in business with, with our clients uh, at Shovel the Sidewalk and when it comes to marketing. And, and we go through this ourselves mm -hmm. as a business. We're in the process of going through it. Is what is our value proposition? What is it that we're bringing to the table 
because um, we can provide all these different services to all these people and you become uh, nothing. Mm -hmm. you, 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 it's, you can't right. be the king of everything. No. And so you find that niche where one, you enjoy it, yeah. you're good at it, and it's extremely valuable to your clients and you're helping them. Right. And I, I feel like that's where you're getting to. So you're discovering yeah. your niche and you're, you're going for that niche. Right. Can you explain that niche? Explain yeah. it to us exactly what it is, the services that you're providing to people. Mm -hmm. So um, this year I decided I, Therapy is a lot of hard work. It's a lot of holding emotion and it can be really draining. Um, so in our work, we have, it's super important for us to do at, adequate self-care, um, being taking days off, making sure we're taking care of ourselves. So, but also part of my self-care in my professional role was I do psychological evaluations. As a psychologist, psychologists are the only folks who can really do psychological evaluations and that's where we're doing testing and evaluation. So a big one for me is I have a lot of children and adolescents who are coming and saying, I, the parents are calling and saying, my child's struggling in school, we're not sure if they have a learning disorder or if it's ADHD or mm -hmm. they're a little anxious too, that might be playing a part. Um, so I have tests that I give to the kids and I do some observations with them and I do a good clinical interview with the parent. Um, and with the results, I p compile it into a report and we put kind of the puzzle pieces together and we have a diagnosis and I have recommendations for them. Um, that is not as draining as therapy because I have an endpoint mm -hmm. and I can give them an answer and, I, and we can move forward. So it feels really good. Um, so this year I decided I needed to, I wanted to split my business half therapy, half psychological evaluations. Um, and I have been able to do that. I was a little worried about what that would look like for my revenue, but it ended up, I think it's looking like it, I'm making more money this mm -hmm. year. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. It does. I mean, so in the end, because one of the things we talked about off air was Integrated? Is that what yeah. It is? What's integrated? Is yeah. Is that what you yes. do? Yes. So there other words that um, can describe it as eclectic um, or integrative uh, psychotherapy. Um, and what that means is that in school we learn a lot of different uh, theories. So cognitive behavioral therapy is a big one I use. There's dialectical behavioral therapy. There's psychoanalysis, which is what you think of when you think of the old school psychologist laying on the couch and doctors just like right. analyze psychoanalysis. Yeah. And that's not that's not very big these days. Um, and actually, that's. I think driven by the insurance companies that want like evidence-based treatment. They want mm -hmm. you, you know, they'll give you a certain amount of sessions and expect the person to be cured, which is not, <laughs> not realistic. Yeah, it's not realistic. Yeah. But um, so there's all these different theories. And I, so I, I say that I'm integrative because I do kind of combine, I do a little psychodynamic. And when I say psychodynamic, I mean, I like to get a good history, especially when I'm working with adults. What was your childhood like? What was growing up like? Where were, maybe were some traumatic experiences that you had? Because a lot of times those things we carry with us and they get stuck. And if we can work through them now, and if we can work with them through with a child too, um, then they won't carry it with them mm. as long. Um, but as an adult, I do, I say psychodynamic because psychodynamic is we're looking at the past and bringing that up to the future or up to the present and working through that so that you can move on and giving you some tools to, to help when 
maybe you're feeling super anxious or you're getting into a depressive episode, how do we get you out of that? Because sometimes that old stuff comes back. Um, so psychodynamic and cognitive behavioral therapy are tools that I use. I use a lot of mindfulness. Um, and I do some trauma work with children and adults too. So it must, I'm going to answer this for you. I'm guessing <laughs> the negative part of what you're doing is, is dealing with the, the insurance situation. That's not fun. The right. positive must be the gratification. Yeah. I'm guessing. Yes, yes. Yeah. And you, and you never know when you're going to get that. Um, but with the evaluations, I feel like I get that a lot more mm -hmm. just because I'm, cause they're coming to me with questions that I can typically answer or at least give them a pathway forward. Gotcha. Okay. So what about the, the, the misconception or, uh, I mean, we think of, um, going to a, a psychologist, it's like, oh, it's embarrassing. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. stigmatized. Get, stigma, thank you. Yeah. Stigmatization. And then we'll get into mental health and, and all that. But, mm -hmm. um, right. So is, I feel like there's been a lot of progress, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe because I'm much more aware of it because of your profession. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into, uh, into, into your personal situation, uh, what happened with Justin. But what, so is, is it, is it easing? Is it, is it becoming more, I don't know what the word is, more uh, accepted, accepted, accepted to, yeah. to do this now? I think so. And I, I mean, I have, so, I have some parents that are calling me. Uh, I, I had a client uh, parent call me and she said, well, me and my husband and our, my, our son are in therapy and my daughter wants to be in therapy. <laughs> And she's like, I don't think you need to be in therapy. I think you're doing okay. Well, no, mom, I have some worries. <laughs> so the mom's like, I want her to be in therapy. And so, you know, she's, so it's, I feel like there is um, more acceptance. We, in Washington, I get calls all the time. Me and several other therapists in the area, um, I say therapists because we're not all psychologists, we're full. And so, and, and, and it's heartbreaking because we have these folks that we cannot help. And, and it's, and it's, you know, I've, I've talked to some legislatures too, because, um, they're like, what do we do? And I'm like, I, at, at some point I cannot take everybody, right? right? Like we were talking about. Um, but so I feel like it's more accepting. Um, it's more accepted and people are seeking it more. It's there's not as much of a stigma. I won't say the stigma's gone though. Right. And I think in certain families, it's still there. But I also think that it be things become more accepted just like in marketing because right. uh, Jane Doe went and was like, that was awesome. Yeah, right. And then tell somebody else and over time, it becomes much, much more accepted. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So let's talk about uh, mental health. And mm -hmm. it's, it's just interesting, the, the business and the field that you're in and the personal situation. You know, 10 years ago, so you lose your brother to suicide. Mm -hmm. um, it's never easy. And mm -hmm. it's, uh, we're, we're coming up on his birthday. Right. Um, I know for me, I was, I'm not in your profession, but right. I was clueless about mental health. Sure. Um, still, obviously, I don't know as you know, I'm just I'm much more aware of it, much right. more understanding. Because I remember when when we lost Justin, you know, I, you know, I watched you and I watched Sharice and your mom and your dad, and I know it's just the pain never goes away. Um, but I was just really angry yeah. at him, you yeah. know. But then I think about it, as time went on, what I to me what I realized is, if Justin had cancer, right, would we be angry at Justin, right? For, Right. Yeah. 
So t talk about that. I mean, I, there's two angles for you. I mean, obviously mm -hmm. a personal angle. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know where I'm going with this, but there's the personal angle and the professional angle. I guess I'm making a statement looking for you to jump on it. I think yeah. it's it, uh, the stigma of uh, the survivors. It's like yeah. it's something where I appreciate is that you guys are willing to talk about it. Yes, right, right. You know, I think it's important. How important is that for survivors? I think it's very important to talk about it, or at least to have somebody to talk to about it. Not and and there's a lot of shame, and that, I'll be honest. When um, I was actually at a trauma conference um, in Atlanta, when I got the phone call from my dad, um, I was in front of a bunch of people on the phone, like in shock, freaking out. Um, and I somebody came up and helped me and got me into a room and got the people I was there with to come sit with me and help me figure out, because now I have to change my flight. I was supposed to leave later that day to go back to San Francisco where I was living. I had to switch it to Buffalo and, and I couldn't do that by myself. I was embarrassed. And I, and I feel bad that I was embarrassed because there's, there's really no, nothing to be embarrassed about. But I was so embarrassed that here I am, I'm, a, I'm training to be a psychologist. Mm. My brother had just come out in August to be with Wendy and I just to get a break. Um, we had gotten him set up with, a, I think, a psychologist and a psychiatrist. And so he had been, I don't know if he had started uh, mental health services before he came to visit or right after. But I know checking in with him, he was like, yeah, it's, it's good. Things are feeling a little bit better, a little bit more doable. Um, so like, here I am in this field, I felt like I, you know, I talked to him, we were on the same page and I told him, if you're ever in this spot, you call me, call me. Mm -hmm. And he and I were super close. Um, he didn't call. And I was, I was mad, but I, I was embarrassed that how did I not see this? How did I not stop this? Um, so I felt super responsible for a long time. Um, I mean, logically, I knew it wasn't my fault. There's nothing I can do, but it was embarrassing. Um, and in fact, Wendy reminds me, you know, she's like, you know, I called and you wouldn't talk to me. I couldn't talk to her. I was, and I told her, I said, I was ashamed. What were you going to think of me? What were you going to think of my family? Like, it felt really vulnerable. Like, this happened to my family. Um... And so that was a lot that I had to work through. Um, but what I would say is that I'm not ashamed now. I know none, all of us did the best that we could, you know, to help him. And when somebody's in that space, and it's not, I want to say this too, somebody who commits suicide isn't always dealing with depression. They don't, they're not always have a mental illness. There's lots of different reasons people end their life. Um, so I just want to say that. But for this situation, Justin did struggle a lot with depression. Um, he may have even had bipolar, I'm not sure. Um, bipolar is where there's the mania and the depression, so there's different episodes. Um, he was a risky guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he would ride his motorcycle and pop wheelies, and, and a lot of times we'll see that with mania. There's a lot of risk-taking behaviors, um, not sleeping very well, um, having lots of energy, just not thinking through, being super distracted, um, and kind of euphoric 
like, oh, everything's great, like on top yeah. of the world. Right. And then you sink. Um, and I feel like I experienced that with my brother sometimes. I don't know if you did. Yeah. When I think about it, I haven't yeah. thought of that until now. Yeah. yeah. And so I don't know. Like, of course, then part of the process of having you know, when you lose somebody by suicide is that you're trying to blame somebody, right? You don't want to, I mean, it's a whole process. Um, and I'm like, well, maybe the psychologist got it wrong. Maybe he was on the wrong meds and it sent him over the edge. You know, I just, and I wanted all those answers, but in the end, it doesn't, it doesn't mm -hmm. make a difference. And as a psychologist too, I know that I can't save anybody. I can just do my best to help them and to give them the tools and to let them know I am there, give them the crisis lines because I can't always be there. Um, help them do a safety plan of the people they can call, um, the things they can do to, to keep themselves safe. Um, but I can't save anybody. None of us can. And I think that's important to know um, when somebody has made that decision. So what do you say... Uh through your experience and your profession to a family uh, who has a family member who maybe they they attempted mm -hmm. in the past yeah there's a situation here they know that yeah. this is this is not good mm -hmm. um, and you say well you that person has to save themselves which is difficult when you're in that dark space Nobody right. plans on committing suicide. No, it no right. It's right. just, it's like in just a situation. It's, I mean, he didn't want to hurt everybody. No, no. He didn't know what he was doing. It's right, like when right. you are, when you're sick and right. you die. Right, right, right. Um, but, but is there a potential? Are we learning enough that you can identify a situation and mm -hmm. actually stop this from happening or ultimately is right. it going to happen if it doesn't happen now it's going to happen a year from now 10 mm -hmm. years from now or 20 years from now right. which is it yeah what can people do what can right. families learn from what you guys went through so i'll i'll take a professional stance for this um when i'm working with as so especially my teenagers i always i'm always very worried if they are cutting or they're feeling suicidal and we anytime that's coming up I'm saying okay so are you wanting to die right now are you do you have a plan um, you know and we talk it through now they could be honest with me but they might not and I have to know that if I am sensing in the room they may not be being honest I'm gonna say I'm gonna have to bring mom and dad in or your parents in um, and we're gonna to have to do some safety planning. If, the, if some of my clients I've had, they said, no, I, I don't think I can keep myself safe. I said, we have to go to the hospital then. Um, that's not the best option always, but if they are telling me they can't keep themselves safe, we need them to have that extra support. So maybe we need a med adjustment, so they might have to go to the hospital, spend a few nights, get a med adjustment. Um, get some other tools in place. They might have to go into a more intensive program where they're getting um, therapy every day um, and they're just focusing in on that um, to get some better coping skills. And maybe the parents are going to some therapy too so that they're getting the tools of like, how do I help my child? How do I make sure that I'm looking out for all the signs I'm looking out for, that I'm, I'm um, making sure to, that the house is safe, um, that I'm checking in on them. Um, what are some things that I shouldn't be saying, right? Especially um, to to my teen to the teenagers. Um, 
you know, cause some, you know, in the heat of the moment, I mean, parents are scared and sometimes that comes off as anger, right? And you say the wrong thing, but you're scared. Um, so getting the parents to support and sometimes I'll sit with the parents and say, okay, so these are the things you need to know. These are the things you need to provide. Um, and, and they might be sharing with me how they're feeling. And I said, okay, I understand you're scared. You need to be really careful about how you talk to your child, to your teenager. Now, what I will also say too, is you asked, um, you know, if there was an attempt. So what we know is that is a predictive factor for future attempts and possibly a future suicide completion. Um, so you can, all right, child is 16, 17, um, parents, what about like in Justin's, was he 27, 28? So, so his, so it was, his first attempt was yeah, 16. I know he was 16. Yeah. What about, what about the child that's an adult. a child, but an adult in their twenties lives on their, what about the, they're married, they have kids. I mean, Justin yeah. didn't, right. um, but he lived on his own. He was in his late twenties. Right, he was, right, right. you know, playing baseball, you know, right. um, doing, yeah. you know, working. So, right. and also depressed at the mm -hmm. same time. But mm -hmm. what about that situation? How can a family help the, the child isn't living under the roof? Right. right. Although sometimes when they're married, I mean, right. that, that happens too. That just happened with uh, with someone from, mm -hmm. from Sharice's school, his husband, uh, yeah, yeah, it was bad. But yeah. um, I mean, how do you, and now she's going through the whole, oh, thinking, oh yeah, you, you recognize right. things later. Right. So right, right. what are preventative measures or are there any for people that are not living at home with their parents? Right. What do you do? So, I mean, like with Justin, I would talk, I talked to him and I, you know, I tried to encourage him to go get help. Um, I talked about the benefits. Um, I tried to let him know he wasn't alone. Um, and so I think, you know, staying connected when somebody is going through something like that, staying connected to them, it, even if it's like we're doing a text, a text message check in every day, or I'm coming over if I don't hear from you, mm -hmm. um, and having a plan, like if you are in that dark space, come over to my house, right? Just hang you you can hang here for however, if you need to spend a couple nights, um, I think, um, close to maybe a few weeks or a month before he did end his life, I think um, he had actually written a note. Um, he had left it at my dad's house. He called me and he told me and he was home alone. And I said, you need to go back to dad's. He said, I said, did you give dad the note? No, I just set it there and I left it for him to read. I said, Justin, you, you, can't, you can't be alone tonight. And I was, so I was on the phone with him. I'm in California. Mm. And um, I don't know that he was going to call my dad. So after I hung up with him, I think I called my dad and I told him, Justin left you a note. We need to make sure he's okay. Um, and I think my brother did go and spend the night at my dad's. I don't know how long, but he's, he stayed there. I think he was feeling really alone in the house by himself. So, so it prevented it. It could have happened that night, right? It could have so happened. It so he another month. But how yeah. do you? Is this? I guess every situation is different because everyone's. Yeah. You know, I mean, we all have not just mental issues, but physical issues, yeah. and the body reacts differently for every person. But is is suicide preventable? I guess that's the question. Is it preventable? I think it is. I think it is, and I and I think it is individual too. Um, there. I think it's preventable because I think that I've prevented some. Mm. 
mm. in my work. And I say that, I don't say that to be narcissistic at all. I say, because yeah, I, <laughs> I can't save anybody and I, I yeah. recognize that. But I have had clients come to me and say, you helped me. I, in fact, I just had a client that's off to college this year. She said, I, don't think, I didn't see myself going to college. I didn't think I was going to make it through my teenage years. Thank you for the help that you provided. I know it wasn't just me. Right. It was my client. It was the strengths that she had. It was the support that she got. Um, it was because she kept coming to therapy and, and doing the work. It's not just about in therapy. It's the work you do outside of therapy. Um, so the, the more we talk about it, I think the better. I think the less stigma, right? When we, we let people know we, you can talk about this stuff, it's okay. Every, you know, everybody has thought, oh gosh, maybe it would be better if I just didn't wake up tomorrow, right? We've all had a little moment where it wasn't like serious. It was like, gosh, I just wish it would just end, right? Whatever pain we're going through. Um, so we, I think everybody can relate to that feeling of it's just too much. But if it's to the point of, I really can't go on, seek medical help, seek psychological help. Um, medication is not the only answer. I think you know the best is medication and therapy because the medication is kind of like a Band-Aid. It helps you get over the hump, but you need those tools. Um, you need to know that people care. You need to know that people understand. Um, and if you meet with a therapist and it doesn't click or you feel like they don't get you um, or you just you can't relate to them or you feel like you're being judged, find another one. Don't stick with that one um, because I tell my clients all the time, I might not be the best fit for you. Um, you know, and don't worry about my feelings. It's okay. Like I want, I'm here to help you. And if me helping you is helping you find somebody who's a better fit, let's do that. It's okay. You just let me know because the most, one of the biggest things in therapy is the relationship. You have to know that you can go into that room and you can trust that person and you can say anything. You won't be judged and you will, you will be given the tools that you need. And sometimes I've had to say to clients, you know what, this is an area that I don't have enough uh, training in. I don't think I am going to be the best. And they might say, no, I would, I still want to work with you. And I say, I, I appreciate that. And I want to work with you too, but I need you. I need, we need to find somebody who can work with you on this issue because I'm not, I don't have the tools. Um, and then once you get work on that issue. So one, one example is substance abuse. I don't have a lot of training in that. I don't have enough tools to help my clients. And if there are substance abuse issues, a lot of times that coincides with suicide. Um, that needs to be addressed first because if you're using and we're doing therapy, you're not going to get what you need to get from therapy. So when I also feel you talk, you mentioned you know, we need to talk about it more. Yeah. Um, I think I feel like maybe I don't have any statistics, but mm -hmm. loved ones are recognizing it more. And instead of, I'm sure they still are like, let's pretend it's not there mm -hmm. but i feel like maybe there's they're seeking help right for the one that's sick more than they used to right 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 yeah. so so that's saving, so, that's so, saving lives right there so yeah. are you talking about the the loved ones around the person who mm -hmm. is who's uh, sick coping coping yeah. with the yeah. mental illness mm -hmm. um getting support yeah getting help. yes yes mm -hmm. um and so there's a group called nami 
National Association for Mental Illness, I believe, and they provide support groups for family members and loved ones. Um, and, and a lot of times I'll, I'll share that resource with families um, because they're like, I don't know what to do. And I said, you need support too because you're at your, you're at your end and you don't know what to do and you need to have that support um, and get more resources too on how, how do you can better help yourself so you can help your loved one. Because um, if we are, if our resources are tapped, we can't help another person. Right. So, all right. So there's um, helping people. Uh, we're trying to help them from taking that step, the ultimate step of right. uh, of of suicide. But then I think you can help people now who whose loved one lost the battle like Justin mm -hmm. um, unfortunately you're not going to stop him like you said it's, it's ultimately that person's decision right, right. Um, whether they control that decision or not and then it's a lot right. of times like in Justin's situation he doesn't control it he's sick right. but um, anyway you lost him and it's been yeah. 10 years yeah and there's a lot of families that lost somebody a month ago there's suicide right. every single day every day yeah um, how have you know i just talked to your dad about it a couple of weeks ago you know and he's like it sucks yeah you know it sucks it mm -hmm. um it's not like it's you know but does it does time help how does time help like the pain's always going to be there yeah. but what does time how does time help what uh, give hope to those that are going through yeah. because i've yeah. seen you guys get better yeah yeah over time yeah i've seen yeah. it i've yeah. watched it right you know i'm yeah. part of that so I know that over time, but I don't know why over time. I have no idea, but I, mm -hmm. I know for those, I've been in those groups. Mm -hmm. We went to those sessions mm -hmm. after we lost right. Justin yeah. for like a year. And these people are like, I remember this husband and wife and their son was 17. They had mm -hmm. committed suicide like a couple weeks ago. I was just like, oh my God, you know, the pain that they're in and what they're going to be going mm -hmm. through. Right. But over time, right? Yeah. How did, how is it that you guys have been able to... I don't know, keep it together, function, mm -hmm. move right, forward? Because right. at the beginning... It was rough. It was really rough. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so f I can speak to my journey. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, I, you know, I had a, lot, a big sense of responsibility. Yeah. Um, I kind of always had that as a child growing up, being the oldest um, anyway. Um, and then being in the field and not being able to save him. Um, so I immediately went to, so the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, AFSP, they um, provide survivor groups, um, and I'm sure they have them all over. I was in San Francisco, I attended that group, um, I think it was like an eight-week group, and that was helpful. Um, I also jumped right back into my own therapy um, to work through that. Um, but the time, I mean, you as time passes it's you're used to not having him around but you also can think you can think of the happy memories um i mean every november is pretty difficult still um but this year for me it's a little bit easier because i actually had to do some extra work this last year um around the trauma of losing him um, because I would just get these episodes where all of a sudden a memory came and I was like, the rest of the day was done. I was in this really dark place and, and crying 
and feeling hopeless. Um, and so I, I decided to do some specific trauma work around that. Um, in therapy, for me, therapy works. I believe in it, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, and the therapy that I did was called I. Um, it's EMDR, eye movement desensitization reprocessing. It's a specific therapy for trauma processing and, and moving past it. And since then, I feel like things have cleared emotionally for me. Um, and I think, you know, the time too, we're building new memories. Um, like this year, I wanted to be home since it was 10 years. To me, that's a big deal. And I know you guys always go out to dinner on his birthday. And I always recognize his birthday in, in my own way, wherever I am. But um, I wanted to be here with you all um, to celebrate his birthday with you and um, to tell stories maybe of him and have your girls know mm-hmm. Justin like we knew Justin. and. Um, so it's like, you know, you build new memories and I stay connected to him just through sometimes I, you know, talk to him a little bit or dreams are a big thing. I have some really amazing dreams where he shows up. Um, but yeah, for me, it was therapy and, and connecting with others. And also in my work, when I'm able to work with a teenager, though it's hard when they're sitting mm. there and feeling suicidal, I, it's hard for me not to think about my brother and what happened. Um, but that experience has helped me, I think, be a better psychologist um, because I just have a different insight. Um, and I can help. Like, I've had several Sharice's friends or... Um, Friends of friends call me and like, I, I know somebody who's going through this. What can I do um, to help? And I feel like, oh, wow, I, I know where to go. Like I kind of can help. And so I can help other people in the honor of my brother. Um, the, the Out of Darkness Walk is another way if people want to go and be with a community. I did that um, that first year. It was great. I had friends that showed up for me. Um, that was super helpful. So if you are friends of people who have lost somebody, know that you can always check in. Um, and if the person doesn't want to talk about it, they don't want to talk about it, and that's okay. Everybody's different. I'm very open. Um, I always want to talk about mm-hmm. it. So, um, And I, I really appreciate stories. So anytime f- people can share stories with me, I don't care what time of year it is. It doesn't always have to be around the anniversary. It's probably better when it's not. Um, just to know like, oh, I remember when Justin did this. Cause I probably don't, I don't, I definitely don't know all the stories mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, it just keeps his, his memory alive. Um, when we used to do commercials with your dad, mm-hmm. Justin was, <laughs> it's more a story about your dad, but so we do Budways and uh-huh. we, we try to do authentic story time, which is what we do. And yeah. your dad would come in and I'm like, he's the grocer, Frank Budway. Right, he's right. not you're not you know Wegmans is fantastic and yeah. tops you're you're not them right. you're, you're grocer Frank Budway so I don't want any scripts I just want you to talk and yeah. you're like all right all right and then Justin will be there to coach me like dad you got this yeah like that <laughs> and then the mic would turn on and your dad would be like all right and Justin would say dad that's perfect let's just do. I'd ask your dad a question and you go at Budway's and then <laughs> brother would come in <laughs> Not a go. <laughs> I remember, it was Tom Green? Was that mm-hmm. the I Green think so. Thumb? Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And, yeah. and your dad went, oh, and gosh. Justin was like, no! <laughs> <laughs> you're, not, you're not going Green Thumb. 
So uh, we'll wrap up here in a second. Okay. Um, I, I learned yesterday that your grandma was named after a dog. So oh what? <laughs> no, she wasn't named after a dog. Okay. Her name was Anna. Okay. <laughs> But as kids, because um, we never had dogs, we mm -hmm. didn't have pets until we were older. But as little ones, the way we differentiated our grandparents was by their dogs' names, I guess. It's a little weird. It's a little, mm -hmm. super weird. <laughs> we are really weird and very strange people. Um, so <laughs> do you want me to say the name? Go ahead, yeah. So my mom's mom and her dad were called Grandma and Grandpa Punky because they had the dog Punky. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad's mom and his stepdad, so our um, oh, Flora? Flora, yeah. Well, that's her name. No, no. You called her Grandma Flora? No. Oh, you didn't? No. I didn't know that either. What'd we you call her? Grandma and Grandpa Asia, because they oh. had a dog named Asia. Whose idea was this? I have no idea. <laughs> Probably not. Maybe it was ours. I don't know. All right. All right. So she wasn't named after a dog. No. I thought it was just on your mom's side. <laughs> no. So it was no, that's how we differentiated. Thing. Yeah. Which grandma? We're going Grandma Punkies. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thanks for being here. Thanks Thank for sharing. You. Hopefully yes. it helps people out there I and they can so. uh, learn about your profession. Maybe, maybe it's a profession someone else wants to get into. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, thanks for your thoughts on, on suicide mm -hmm. uh, and hopefully in dealing with it and mm -hmm. hopefully it helps help somebody out there. So, I sure hope so. All right. Um, you can watch any of our episodes of, of Sidewalk Talk. We're, they're all up on YouTube. You can um, download them on your favorite uh on your favorite app, we're on iTunes or uh, what else are we on? Spotify, uh, whatever your favorite app is, you can do it. Thanks to our uh, director of sound and video, uh, Jamie Catania. He is the best <laughs> in the business. Thanks to our, our sponsor, <laughs> Vandalay Industries, George and his team. We couldn't do this without you. So thanks for watching and listening to uh, Sidewalk Talk. Until next time. Thank you.